Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello. My name is Albert Lee Guillory, and I'm the senator for the 24th district right here in beautiful Louisiana. Recently, I made what many are referring to as a bold decision to switch my party affiliation to the Republican Party. I wanted to take a moment to explain why I chose to become a Republican and also to explain why I don't think it was a bold decision at all. It is the right decision, not only for me, but for all my brothers and sisters in the black community. You see, in recent history, the Democrat Party has created the illusion that their agenda and their policies are what's best for black people. Somehow it's been forgotten that the Republican Party was founded in 1854 as an abolitionist movement with one simple creed, that slavery is a violation of the rights of man. Frederick Douglass called Republicans the party of freedom and progress. And the first Republican president was Abraham Lincoln, the author of the Emancipation Proclamation. It was Republicans in Congress who authored the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, giving former slaves citizenship, voting rights, and due process of law. The Democrats, on the other hand, were the party of Jim Crow. It was Democrats who defended the rights of slave owners. It was the Republican President Dwight Eisenhower who championed the Civil Rights Act of 1957. But it was the Democrats in the Senate who filibustered the bill. You see, at the heart of liberalism is the idea that only a great and powerful big government can be the benefactor of social justice for all Americans. But the left is only concerned with one thing, control. And they disguise this control as charity. Programs such as welfare, food stamps, these programs aren't designed to lift black Americans out of poverty. They were always intended as a mechanism for politicians to control the black community. The idea that blacks, or anyone for that matter, need the government to get ahead in life is despicable. And even more important, this idea is a failure. Our communities are just as poor as they have always been. Our schools continue to fail children. Our prisons are filled with young black men who should be at home, being fathers. Our self-initiative and our self-reliance have been sacrificed in exchange for allegiance to our overseers who control us by making us dependent on them. Sometime I wonder if the word freedom is tossed around so frequently in our society that it has become a cliché. The idea of freedom is complex and it's all-encompassing. It's the idea that the economy must remain free of government persuasion. It's the idea that the press must operate without government intrusion. And it's the idea that the emails and phone records of Americans should remain free from government search and seizure. It's the idea that parents must be the decision makers in regards to their children's education, not some government bureaucrat. But most importantly, it is the idea that the individual must be free to pursue his or her own happiness 
free from government dependence and free from government control. Because to be truly free is to be reliant on no one other than the author of our destiny. These are the ideas at the core of the Republican Party, and it is why I am a Republican. So my brothers and sisters of the American community, please join with me today in abandoning the government plantation and the party of disappointment so that we may all echo the words of one Republican leader who famously said, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Very sad news for all of you, and I think uh, sad news for all of our fellow citizens and people who love peace all over the world. And that is that Martin Luther King was shot and was killed tonight in Memphis. Martin Luther King dedicated his life to love and to justice between fellow human beings. He died in the cause of that effort. In this difficult day, in this difficult time for the United States, it's perhaps well to ask what kind of a nation we are and what direction we want to move in. For those of you who are black, considering the evidence evidently is that there were white people who were responsible, you can be filled with bitterness and with hatred and a desire for revenge. We can move in that direction as a country in greater polarization. Black people amongst blacks and white amongst whites filled with hatred toward one another. Or we can make an effort, as Martin Luther King did, to understand and to comprehend and replace that violence, that stain of bloodshed that is spread across our land with an effort to understand compassion and love. For those of you who are black and are tempted to fill with, be filled with hatred and distrust of the injustice of such an act, against all white people. I would only say that I can also feel in my own heart the same kind of feeling. I had a member of my family killed, but he was killed by a white man. 
But we have to make an effort in the United States. We have to make an effort to understand, to get beyond or go beyond these rather difficult times. A favorite poem, I, my favorite poet was Aeschylus. He once wrote, Even in our sleep, pain which cannot forget falls drop by drop upon the heart until in our own day despair, against our will, comes wisdom through the awful grace of God. What we need in the United States is not division. What we need in the United States is not hatred. What we need in the United States is not violence and lawlessness but is love and wisdom and compassion toward one another. Feeling of justice toward those who still suffer within our country, whether they be white or whether they be black. We can do well in this country. We will have difficult times. We've had difficult times in the past, but we will, and we will have difficult times in the future. It is not the end of violence. It is not the end of lawlessness, and it's not the end of disorder. But the vast majority of white people, and the vast majority of black people in this country, want to live together, want to improve the quality of our life, and want justice for all human beings that abide in our land. And what dedicate ourselves to what the Greeks wrote so many years ago to tame the savageness of man and make gentle the life of this world. Let us dedicate ourselves to that and say a prayer for our country and for our people. Thank you very much. my friends who are apologizing for not insisting upon this right where can the black man look in this country for the assertion of his right if he may not look to the Massachusetts anti-slavery society where under the whole heavens can he look for sympathy in asserting this right if he may not look to this platform have you lifted us up to a certain height to see that we are men and then are any disposed to leave us there without seeing that we are put in possession of all our rights? We look naturally to this platform for the assertion of all our rights. 
and for this one especially. I understand the anti-slavery societies of this country to be based on two principles. First, the freedom of the black of this country. And second, the elevation of it. Let me not be misunderstood here. I am not asking for sympathy at the hands of abolitionists, sympathy at the hands of any. I think the American people are disposed often to be generous rather than just. I look over this country at the present time and I see educational societies, sanitary commissions, freedmen's associations and the like, all very good. But in regard to people of color in this land, there has always been more that is benevolent, I perceive, than just manifested toward us. What I ask for the black man is not benevolence, not pity, not sympathy, but simply justice. The American people have always been anxious to know what they shall do with us. Everybody has asked the question and learned to ask it early of the abolitionists. What shall we do with the black man? I have had but one answer from the beginning. Do nothing with us. Your doing with us has already played the mischief with us. Do nothing with us. If the apple will not remain on the tree of their own strength, if they are worm-eaten at the core, if they are early ripe and disposed to fall, then let them fall. I'm not for tying or fastening them on the tree in any way except by nature's plan. And if they will not stay there, then let them fall. If the black man cannot stand on his own legs, then let him fall also. All I ask is, give him a chance to stand on his own legs. Let him alone. If you see him on his way to school, let him alone. Don't disturb him. If you see him going to the dinner table at a hotel, then let him go. If you see him going to the ballot box, then let him alone. Don't disturb him. If you see him going into a workshop, just let him alone. Your interference is doing him a positive injury. Let him fall if he cannot stand alone. Black man cannot live by the line of eternal justice. The fault will not be yours. It will be his who made the black man and established that line for his government. Let him live or die by that. If you will only untie his hands and give him a chance. He will work as readily for himself as the white man. Now a great many delusions have been swept away by this war. One was that the black man would not work. He has proved his ability to work. 
Another was that the black man would not fight. That he possessed only the most cheapest attributes of humanity. Was a perfect lamb or an Uncle Tom. Disposed to take off his coat whenever required. Hold his hands and be whipped by anybody who wanted to whip him. But this war, this war has proved that there is a great deal of human nature in that black man. And that yes, he will fight. White man pays Reverend Martin Luther King, subsidizes Reverend Martin Luther King, so that Reverend Martin Luther King can continue to teach the Negroes to be defenseless. That's what you mean by nonviolent. Be defenseless. Be defenseless in the face of one of the most cruel uh, beasts that has ever taken the people into captivity. That's this American white man. And they have proved it throughout the country by the police dogs and the police clubs. A uh, hundred years ago, they used to put on a white sheet and use a bloodhound against Negroes. Today, they have taken off the white sheet and put on police uniforms They've uh, traded in the bloodhounds for police dogs, and they're still doing the same thing. And just as Uncle Tom, back during slavery, used to keep the Negroes from resisting the bloodhound or resisting the Ku Klux Klan by teaching them to, to love their enemy or pray for those who use them despitefully, today uh, Martin Luther King is just a 20th century or modern Uncle Tom or a religious Uncle Tom who is doing the same thing today to keep Negroes defenseless in the face of attacks that Uncle Tom did on the plantation to keep those Negroes defenseless in the, in the face of the attacks of the Klan in that Well, day. I don't think of uh, love as, uh, in this context, as emotional bosh. I don't think of it as uh, a weak force. But I, I think of love as something strong and that organizes itself into powerful uh, direct action. Now, this is what I try to teach in the struggle in the South, that uh, we are not engaged uh, in a struggle that means we sit down and do nothing. Uh, that There's a great deal of difference between non-resistance to evil and non-violent resistance. Uh, non-resistance leaves, uh, leaves you in a state of stagnant passivity and bedlam complacency, wherein non-violent resistance means that you do resist in a very strong and determined manner. And I think some of the uh, criticisms of uh, nonviolence, or some of the critics, fail to realize uh, that we are talking about something very strong, and they confuse non-resistance with nonviolence. The goal of Dr. Martin Luther King is to give Negroes a chance to sit in a segregated restaurant beside the same white man who had brutalized them for 400 years. The goal of Dr. Martin Luther King is to get Negroes to forgive the people who have brutalized them for, uh, for 400 years by 
by lulling them to sleep and making them forgetting what those whites have done to them. But the masses of black people in America today don't go for what Martin Luther King is, is putting down. As you said in one of your articles, it's psychologically insecure, something of that sort. I forget how you put it. But you didn't endorse what Martin Luther King was doing yourself. Uh, I do not reject his goals of full integration and full equality rights for American citizens. Do you reject these If you goals? don't think that he's walking on the right road, I'm quite sure you don't agree that he'll get to the right place. And if you would classify uh, his method as uh, psychologically unrealistic, I think that uh, if a man's method is psychologically unrealistic, which means the road or the means or the method that he's using, I think as a psychologist, you, you'd be very doubtful I don't think that he would reach true. the right. If anyone has ever lived with a nonviolent movement in the South, from Montgomery on through the Freedom Rides and through the sit-in movement and the recent Birmingham movement and see the reactions of many of the uh, extremists and reactionaries in the white community, uh, he wouldn't say that this movement makes, uh, this philosophy makes them comfortable. Uh, I think it arouses uh, a sense of shame within them often in many instances. I think it uh, does something to cut, touch the conscience and uh, establish a sense of guilt. Now, so often people respond to guilt by engaging more in the guilt-evoking act in an attempt to drown the sense of guilt. But this, uh, this approach certainly uh, doesn't make the white man feel comfortable. It disturbs the other things, uh, conscience, and uh, it, it disturbs this, this sense of contentment. Nothing will they ever do. They will always talk it, but they won't practice it. And uh, with the Supreme Court, if the NAACP can tell me that they want a desegregation decision for me uh, 10 years ago, but yet the schools haven't been desegregated, as I say, this is a victory with no victory. Uh, it's a victory that you can talk about, but it's a victory you can't show me. So if you represent the NAACP and you are telling me about this great victory you won for me, when I look at you, I have to uh, conclude that either you have been duped yourself or else you are trying to do me. And in most instance, instances where the civil rights struggle is involved, there is no civil rights leader can point to me one concrete gain, practical gain, that black people have made in the civil rights field in this country, not only during the past 10 years, but during the past 100 years. I don't think there's any real organization through the riots. I think they grow out of the conditions that I've mentioned uh, all along. And as long as these intolerable conditions are there, as long as the Negro finds himself living every day in a major depression, uh, then uh, every city will sit on a, a powder keg and can explode over the slightest incident. I feel that killing is a very tragic way to deal with any social problem. There is no violent solution to the problem that the Negro confronts in this country. And this is why I have constantly said that riots are socially destructive and self-defeating. After all, the Negro ends up uh, on the losing end. We can't win a violent revolution. Most of the persons killed in riots are Negroes themselves. Uh, the persons who end up not being able to get uh, milk for their children of Negroes uh, because things where they have to live are destroyed. So there's no uh, practical or moral answer uh, in the realm of violence to the Negro's problem. But I do understand the sociological, the psychological, and the economic the reasons. The problem can be solved. First, the white man and the black man 
have to be able to sit down at the same table. The white man has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of that Negro. And the so-called Negro has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of the white man. Then they can bring the issues that are under the rug out on top of the table and take an intelligent approach to get the problem solved. That's the only way that they'll ever do it. We need an action program while we are Muslims, and while we are Christians, or while we are whatever we are. We still need an action program that will eliminate these evils that are in our community. This is what we're trying to do with the Muslim Mosque Incorporated. Do you consider yourself militant? <laughs> I consider myself Malcolm. <laughs> well, I think we uh, have to agree that uh, this appears to be uh, the result of an internal conflict within the black nationalist movement. So I think the first thing that needs to be done is for a conference of goodwill to take place between uh, black nationalist leaders. This was why I suggested a few days ago that the followers of the late Malcolm X and the followers of Elijah Muhammad uh, should sit down at the peace table together, so to speak, uh, and discuss this problem and try to reach some understanding. Uh, I don't think, uh, and I'm sure, uh, that uh, nothing can be accomplished by violence. Uh, it only leads to new and more complex social problems. I think it is unfortunate uh, for the black nationalist movement. I think it is unfortunate for the health of our nation. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. I'm really happy for you. I'm let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. is Monday. Third plant from the sun. Now, I had another, I had a topic in mind. And it's the topic that I, uh, you know, shortly before, before showtime. Host this show and tell you, um, you know, how great I believe Martin Luther King and the Tooth Fairy. We grew up believing that, for example. With sitting on the back of the bus, long hours, and that an evil white person got on the bus, an evil racist white person got on the bus, 
I was going to give up her seed, and that turned out to be completely false. I grew up and became a man. Wow. As for Martin Luther King, he had some good points and he had quite a few bad points. There's a dark side to Martin Luther King. But I grew up believing that he was and integrity. That also Martin Luther King But is there another side to him which is less flattering? Yes. Martin Luther King Jr. was born on January King Sr. and Alberta Williams King. King's traveled to Europe in 1934 and visited Germany. His father soon changed both of their names to Martin Nevertheless, the author, you know, notwithstanding, the child can't be blamed for the mistakes of his P in 1956, as all great blacks of the South were. Changed to the Democrat Party when the Republicans nominated Barry Goldwater. His career there he expanded American values to include his vision of a colorblind society. And plagiarized the I Have a Dream speech from one given at the Republican convention in 1952, given by Archibald J. Hanago. Carey's speech sprung from the words of the song. My country, tis of thee, America. Sweet land of liberty, of the...
freedom ring. That's exactly what we mean. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. Not only from Green Mountain, let freedom That be by Archibald J. Carey Jr. in 1952 at the Republican Convention. Papers. Well, here we go. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s wife, Coretta Scott King, donated her husband's papers to discovered that King's doctoral dissertation at Boston University, a comparison of the conception of large institution, he plagiarized his thesis from another student who presented this of his doctoral thesis from many other authors who wrote on the same topic, including Booser. Instances of as well also noticeable in his speeches and sermons throughout his career. In an article written in 1991, in the Journal of American pattern evident in nearly all of King's academic writings, including his doctoral dissertation. He plagiarist. a troubled pattern. That's, there's a, those are indirect quotes. The story was then repeated in the Boston Globe and the New York Times. A great man, regardless of his academic fraud. Now, let one of us try that academic. Long considered intelligent contribution to scholarship. Yeah, right. However, a letter is now attached to King's dissertation in the university library, noting that numerous passages were included without the appropriate quotations and citations of sources. All done things. That's the other side of Dr. King. And you be the judge for yourself whether or not you'll view him. Then that's fine. But, you know, I can let go of the idea that there is no Santa. There's 
can let those things go. I can let this go as well. It's not entirely the truth. And Morehouse College than at Kozer, where he was a minority being graded mostly by white teachers and received an A average. Now, Boston University has Martin Luther King was a plagiarist. That's been established. Sympathizers. So let's move on from that because it was proven. In his, in all the research that I have conducted over the years, there is no set. In very high circles. Attorney General Robert Kennedy, who signed off on the wire at cocktail parties, much to the delight of brothers Jack. of Martin Luther King having sexual relations with women who with, with Ralph Abernathy a close associate of King stated in his 1989 autobiography that he only wrote the term womanizing and did not specifically say King had an extramarital affair. Those are in quotes, by the way. Writing about a number of extramarital affairs, including one with a woman King saw almost daily, did not eliminate the other incidental couplings that were commonplace of King's travels. King explained his extramarital affairs as a form of anxiety. Was the cause of painful and overwhelming guilt feelings. Yeah, no doubt. 
missing your own copies in 1968 to Dr. King seems to be and but I still can't get the idea sit and and think about these things how we were misled and how or, or do you as they both in his dissertations in his speeches in his sermons and cheating on his wife with numerous women and have having have to do with King's message. Clearly, nothing. I still don't believe that there should be a holiday, a national for these very reasons. Because I believe, and I believe firmly in this, Love, honor, and cherish, and do something that he knows full well that if she knew, if she found out, it would hurt her to her heart, but he does it anyway. He cannot be trusted. He cannot be trusted. His wife can't trust him. And I can't trust him. And that's how I feel about it. You can imagine if a man will cheat on his wife, then God, what what will he do to me? So what I'm going to go ahead and do part about the communist stuff, which I cannot, I mean, the bona fides just aren't there. But the rest of it, it's all true. I'm going to go ahead. I'm sending it.
not who you think he was. Of that, there is no doubt. But then again, now's the time to close out the show. I've sent out the tweet. I've posted to my Facebook page. My Twitter account is I've just tweeted this information out there. You be the judge. Because the God's honest truth. Is there anything that we can say we know for sure Well, thank you for listening tonight. I'm going to let you go now with Frederick Douglass's speech. What to do with the Negro. Thank you for listening. God bless you and God. It's 9 p.m., so please do tune in and you call in. The number is 347-884-8500. Until then, I'm going to let you I ask my friends who are apologizing for not insisting upon this right, where can the black man look in this country for the assertion of his right if he may not look to the Massachusetts Anti-Slavery Society? Where, under the whole heavens, can he look for sympathy in asserting this right if he may not look to this platform? Have you lifted us up to a certain height to see that we are men And then are any disposed to leave us there without seeing that we are put in possession of all our rights? We look naturally to this platform for the assertion of all our rights, and for this one especially. I understand the anti-slavery societies of this country to be based on two principles. First, the freedom of the blacks of this country. And second, the elevation of them. Let me not be misunderstood here. I am not asking for sympathy at the hands of abolitionists, sympathy at the hands of any. I think the American people are disposed often to be generous rather than just. I look over this country at the present time and I see educational societies, sanitary commissions, Freedmen's associations and the like, all very good. But in regard to people of color in this land, there has always been more that is benevolent, I perceive, than just manifested toward us. What I ask for the black man is not benevolence, not pity, not sympathy, but simply justice. The American people have always been anxious to know what they shall do with us. Everybody has asked the question and learned to ask it early of the abolitionists. What shall we do with the black man? 
I have had but one answer from the beginning. Do nothing with us. Your doing with us has already played the mischief with us. Do nothing with us. If the apple will not remain on the tree of their own strength, if they are worm-eaten at the core, if they are early ripe and disposed to fall, then let them fall. I'm not for tying or fastening them on the tree in any way except by nature's plan. And if they will not stay there, then let them fall. If the black man cannot stand on his own legs, then let him fall also. All I ask is, give him a chance to stand on his own legs. Let him alone. If you see him on his way to school, let him alone. Don't disturb him. If you see him going to the dinner table at a hotel, then let him go. If you see him going to the ballot box, then let him alone. Don't disturb him. If you see him going into a workshop, just let him alone. Your interference is doing him a positive injury. Let him fall if he cannot stand alone. Black man cannot live by the line of eternal justice. The fault will not be yours. It will be his who made the black man and established that line for his government. Let him live or die by that. If you will only untie his hands and give him a chance, I think he will live. He will work as readily for himself as the white man. Now a great many delusions have been swept away by this war. One was that the black man would not work. He has proved his ability to work. Another was that the black man would not fight. That he possessed only the most cheapest attributes of humanity. Was a perfect lamb or an Uncle Tom disposed to take off his coat whenever required, hold his hands and be whipped by anybody who wanted to whip him. But this war, this war has proved that there is a great deal of human nature in that black man. And that yes, he will fight. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.